0: Welcome to the United Cast, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for Man United and football. I'm your host Matthew, and for the first time in two years, because I've been doing this podcast for about two years, I have a co-host with me today. Uh, Varun, how are you doing?
1: Very well, thank you, Matthew. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk here, and uh, really happy to to be a part of this podcast.
0: Oh, right, cool, nice. Um, so I should probably tell the audience where I've where I've found you. Uh, it was on Twitter, so there was the. There's these little like they're called spaces, aren't they? These like Twitter spaces, where people can like as long as. Uh, I mean, I don't know fully how all of it works because it's. I I only just started checking them out myself, but you can basically just click on certain ones of people that you're following. Uh, Johnny hosts most of them, doesn't he? He's like a, He's a United fan as well and we started talking a bit on there i was like following some different people because you can just click on people's names and follow them and that sort of stuff which is good for like networking and that i guess um and then i think i messaged you afterwards and then said if you'd want to uh come on and do this podcast obviously we both talked about man united uh i don't remember everything that was said in the spaces because there's like what eight people <laughs> that talk at the same time in those things it can be uh can be a bit hectic and uh, that kind of stuff so uh but uh, those have been fun to be in. I think I've been in what three of them with you, with like you, Johnny, and, and a bunch of other people, with these uh, yeah, cool. t- Twitter spaces. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. But one of one of the most interesting differences between me and you in terms of Manchester United, I well uh, after right after last Sunday's game, so the Wolves game, I said on this very podcast that I'm like firmly Ollie out, firmly Ollie out, um, because of the choices that were made in that game, and because he keeps repeating the same things. And you said that you're more Ollie in, so but not, not, neither of us are right or wrong. It's just opinions or that kind of stuff. We both respect each other's uh, each other's opinion. Yeah. Um, but uh, what we're here to mainly do, we, we will talk about that as well. That's a pretty big thing to talk about. Uh, I've got listed all the players that we well, I say sold. We sold one player and loaned out one, two, three, four, five players. We we loaned out, uh, and then we brought in three. Of course, Var- Varane, Varane, Sancho, and Ronaldo. Uh so we'll go through some of those things first. I'd like to know what you think of uh, Dan James as well, so we'll get into that. Uh let's let's do that one first actually. The one of the the arguably the most important uh in terms of the outgoings. Uh two years Dan James was here, uh, signed from what was it Swansea in uh I think it was 2019 uh for 15 million championship player. Uh to me at the time was very much an impact sub. Uh, sold to Leeds 30 million it happened quite quickly there was a lot of talk about it but it happened quite quickly uh, what did you think of Dan James overall did you like him did you not and what do you think of uh, his move to Leeds
1: yeah um, I think it is a good uh, I think it is a good business because we bought him for 12 million and we sold him for double the price including add-ons we actually bought him for 12 plus 3 we sold him for 25 plus 5 so we've we've literally doubled the price in two years that he's been with us. I think he had a storming debut uh, against Chelsea. He scored. Mm-hmm. I remember when he came on for the last uh, 15 minutes. I remember um, him having a very good start to his career at United. What really happened with James was, and this is my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. and there's there's a there's a bit of fact to the to this as well that United wanted uh, Sancho in 2018. Uh, towards the end of 2017, uh, and 18 Solskjaer, uh, when you know, had made very clear that Sancho was going to be one of his priority signings, and we did not have Champions League. then. We did not have Champions League, and, and Sancho uh, just going and talking, you know, talking to uh, Dortmund was impossible because you know, it was difficult for us to even agree personal terms with Sancho then. So, so, well, what what was discussed was that we're definitely going to try to get in into top four, and next season we're going to go all out for Sancho. And at that time, I if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think James was about 21, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, had, had had a decent spell with Swansea. And Giggs was one of uh, the guys who was instrumental in telling Ole about him and getting him in because you know uh, Giggs had recruited james for wales then so that's of course a little bit of background and context on how we bought him and uh he wasn't really at that point it was it was thought of as a makeshift arrangement for sancho because we were always going to get sancho you know it was a writing it was writing on the stone mm. and um uh, and then from there on it was more about how quickly can he develop de- develop and you know what all you know what all can he do um of course, we knew some of the assets. So, what did what did he bring to the team in the last two years? He brought a lot of energy. He enabled high press. Uh, his decision making for me has always been a question mark. I think he's extremely fast. I remember that run against Liverpool and the assist to Rashford when we you know when we mm. in LaLiga equalized and we ended uh, we ended the game one all. Some of some of his performances comes to come to mind straight off, you know, so, uh, coming from the left and curling the ball, you know, uh, against Southampton, uh, top right corner against Sheffield, coming from the left, you know, from the from the left. So again, had both very good feet, but predominantly a right-footed player, but had a decent left as well. Uh, the way United have always played with wingers traditionally, and Oleus, of course learned from Fergie. We like to we like to get our wingers to cross more, and I thought I thought James, you know, struggled in putting in some of good cross. I think his crossing wasn't as great as I thought. I I thought he could have developed more, and he you know maybe maybe he can blame the coaching for that, but I thought he's been he was very direct, and that and because we didn't have an out and out striker as a Cavani, we had Lukaku of course, of course, but. Then Cavani comes on and then, you know, he tries on Martial. I think there were times when James struggled to cross the board. Uh, what do you think about, what What do I think about his sale? I think it is a very, it, it is a very good business. It would have been an amazing business had we been able to sell him and taken that money and invested into somebody like Rice or somebody like a DM and brought that because I still feel that is a black hole in the middle of the midfield. I think that's, that's a, that's a, extremely concerning position uh, for us i'm looking at the holes that ole is filling one by one inch by inch and i feel the dm position is still there to be filled and i feel that had we invested that 30 million into you know towards the end of the last two three days before the window closed i would have been ecstatic but that's that's the only Thing that disappointed me about his sale that we couldn't really invest that money. Maybe we'll we'll invest it in Jan, depending on how the season goes. Lingard was another one that you know will he go? Will he stay? Will he go? Will he stay? And of course he had a great game yesterday for England. And and uh, so yeah, a lot of things. But that's that's my that's my take on hmm. Dan James.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very very disappointed that Dan James has been sold, and I'm also surprised as well that it was a permanent move and that it happened so quickly i thought what we could have and maybe should have done was loan with an option to buy so basically if we loaned him out for even just one season just so we can get some more game time um and then given the leads given leads you know the option to say hey if he's really fitting in your system and if if we don't want him in a year and we're sure about that we can uh you can either buy him or we can like take him back or whatever so i'm i'm surprised that That uh, was was permanent and it was so quick. I watched uh, Dan's interview. I can't remember who he did it with, but it was on Sky Sports. And he seemed relatively. I I was trying to watch James's tone of voice, his body language, because he was in like a Leeds kit. He was at uh, Leeds's stadium and he'd like just gotten settled in with um, moving there and stuff. And he seemed like content. He didn't seem sort of like ecstatic or happy or like sad or any sort of way. It seemed like. Maybe that was what was supposed to happen in the first place, that we weren't actually really supposed to get Dan James and that he was supposed to sort of go to Leeds. So I'm uh it, it that's a it's a very curious sort of case as to Yeah, you got the gigs, yeah. white whales connection and all that, but um I don't know, it seems like like it there was a bit of sort of I don't know, was he supposed to go to Leeds straight away? Did we need to get him? Did we actually want him? That kind of stuff. Um but I, for me, in terms of Dan James, I don't think... I, I think apart from his first year, maybe, I think after that, he wasn't really used properly. And especially with his... Well, his what is now his last Manchester United game. And I remember saying this on the review thing on the, on that Sunday and now I don't, I don't know if this is like supposed to happen or if this is an Ollie tactic thing but him and Sancho because they were both playing on the wing on that game against Wolves and they kept switching over and switching over and switching over and I get what the kind of the point of it is supposed to be is to maybe confuse the defense and switch around your players and like you know create a bit of confusion maybe but the thing for me where Dan James has been misused is when he's been played on the right he look he doesn't look comfortable on that side. And I remember um the build up to that Wolves game and like even different YouTubers and people that were on Twitter nobody was sure who was on the left and who was on the right Sancho and James. And the the really frustrating part about that bit to me was we signed Sancho specifically because we didn't have a proper right winger and then you started the game and sent and they were in to to me they're wrong positions. When you've got James and you've got Sancho Sancho goes on the right, James goes on the left and you just you settle it like that and I remember saying as well with um, with wan because I talk a lot on the show about like pairs of players like you got your two centre backs you got your left um, wing on your, your left back you got your two pivot midfielders and then you got your two right side players they need to build a relationship with each other so that you can they can communicate better in that game against Wolves there were four people that played on the right hand side of the pitch because it, it was a mix of Dan James and Sancho who kept switching over? Then the, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was two substitutions. One of those caused Greenwood to go on the right hand side, and then I think it was Greenwood was subbed off after that, and the low was on the right hand side. And it's like things, it's things, it's things like that we think is that unsettling Wumbasaka because, like, let's say one is now looking at that Newcastle game. It might be Sancho on there. It might be Ronaldo. It might be Greenwood. It might be, I don't know who it might be on the right-hand side. Sure. And I'm wondering with Wamba if he's thinking each game, like, I don't know who's going to be playing, like, in front of me on that right-hand side. Um, But that's, ultimately, that's my kind of verdict on the Jan- Dan James thing. I really liked him as a player. I thought he offered something that our other wingers don't quite offer, which is that work rate, because Rashford doesn't really do that. Marshall doesn't do that. Sancho is very new here anyway, so we have to figure out what he's going to do. But then the thing is with Sancho, he's on the right side, And if you're gonna pick Martial, James, or uh, who's the other one, Uh, Rashford, those go on the left. Um, And I just ultimately think it came down to a case of misusing the player, and he just found the exit door. I I I think I don't know. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sad one for me because I do think that we definitely should have kept him or at least just loaned him. You know. So
1: yeah, I can't disagree with that. Um, I think you made some. Very interesting points. I, I see. Look, I was personally uh, tilting towards him going out on loan, and I, I still feel he can have a career at United. But my, you know, my my take on Dan James is he's a very unconventional sort of a player, right? But an- another thing about Dan James is when I look at Pellistri and I look at Ahmad and then I look at Ilanga, I feel I prefer those guys in the team. Right. I, I want Ahmad to, to, to get more games. I want Pel I, I, I thought Pelestri should have stayed this season. But with Sancho coming in, we had no option but to let it go. Uh saw some of his games uh and his performance uh during the preseason. I thought he was electric. Uh, I've seen I've been watching Pelestri very closely. Uh you know, I watched La Liga a lot and I've been watching him for Alves and he's you know he comes off as a sub. He usually hardly starts, but usually comes on from the bench, off the bench, every second game. And he's been very... He, I, I'm personally very impressed with him. And he does that Dan James, you know, pressing and high energy. If I was to pick one of them, I would pick Pellistri because he's much younger and I think he's he's a better crosser of the ball and has a more sensible head over his shoulder. Dan James li- looks little, you know his 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 mind when he's with the ball looks a little corroded to me you know looks a little confused it looks like he's he does the hard work he'll run through players and then when it comes to press the button, he presses the wrong button or it triggers mm-hmm. the wrong decision uh, That's been my issue with dan james i would have i contemplated uh, in my head uh, a lone move for him, but then when I look at Ilanga and I look at pelestri and even Amath, I wanted both. Lingard and, uh, and and Dan James to go so Ilanga and Pellestri can then have a good clear path ahead of them and then they can be completely blended into the team. I really like both of them. I'm very personally very impressed with Ilanga. I'm actually a very big fan of Ilanga. I've been watching him a lot. I've watched a lot of youth. Uh, you know, I'm subscribed to um, uh, MUTV and i I watched a lot of, uh, you know, these guys and I've been watching a lot of Ilanga and I was very happy that he was included in the first team this year. And, you know, had some real good games towards the end of the season. Uh, last season, you know, against Wolves, he scored and he had a couple of real good games too. So that's, that's so all in all, just to just to cap it off, I'm not disappointed he's gone because, you know, we have options. We have options, you know, in the youth system, we have options, you know, uh, with Omad and, you know, with Ilanga and with Pelestry. And I would want to see them develop because they're really, really talented and they're very young. And I think Dan James, uh, you know, had, had two years to show, and he's done he's done brilliantly in some games. He's been found mesh. He's been found wanting in some. But hey, you know, he, he 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 gave us value, and he got his good money from his sale. So I'm happy with that. You know.
0: Mm. Part of me wonders like. Uh, I mean, I don't know when Leeds' game next is, because why would I look up when Leeds' next game is? Um, but I wonder, let's say that he not starts scoring loads of goals. Let's say he starts picking up a couple more assists, right, for Leeds, because apparently their system fits him better or whatever. Um, let Let's just say, so let's say for the next five Leeds games, he plays all the games and he gets, say, three assists, right? So not an assist every game, but a good chunk of assists. I wonder if the conversation will start cropping up about like why didn't he do it at united and that will be a very very valid question um so i just i i wonder about that um but you know it, it might work for him at leeds it might not i we nobody can... yeah so um we shall see in terms of uh yeah moving on oh was you gonna
1: yeah, just we we play we play Leeds in February unless we play them in the in a in, in an FA Cup or Carabao before that we don't know fixtures will be out. But 19th Feb I think is when we play Leeds again. And I have no doubt in my mind that he will suit Belsa's system more. And he will, you know, they have a very similar player like him. That Belsa doesn't play too much. His name is Pavera. and he's also very very quick, right sided, both right left uh, right left uh, and and uh, left foot you know, equally good. Uh I was expecting Pavera to really, really go up the ladder, you know, on the Balesa and show. He's had some, you know, sparkling uh, uh performances, cameos. Uh but it'll be interesting to see how he fits in both Pavera and uh, and they've also gotten Gibbs White, I think now, if I'm not wrong, on loan. Or I could be wrong, I don't know. But um but they yeah, they're building a pretty you know, Bales is an amazing match. I don't have any doubt in my mind that dan james is gonna is gonna be successful at least
0: mm. I, I hope he is yeah i definitely hope that he is hi there and thanks very much for listening today i'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links the first of which is our amazon affiliate link that's where you can shop on amazon we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you anything extra so whether you're getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you extra you can find the link to our amazon affiliate link in your show notes the second affiliate link for today is our koala affiliate link if you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice you can simply sign up with koala using the link in the show notes they also have a live chat support system That's in the bottom right hand corner as well. So if you need help with getting set up. Kualu will be able to help you with that as well. The links for both of these can be found in your show notes. For Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link. If you would like to get the ad free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast. And support us along the way. You can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a Patreon. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcast over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcast. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month, so one TV show or Film review per month it's up to you which one you want to choose we will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film and we will review that for you on that month and then when it gets to the next month you can request a new TV show or a film review of your choice that's $3 level tier that does also of course include your ad free podcasts for the month as well. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Um, let's move on to two other players that you did bring up and are very much were very much in the conversation. Lingard and Martial. Uh, neither of them left. There was obviously a lot of talk about Lingard going to West Ham because he went on loan at the end of last season and did very well. Really did do quite well and it made sense, I think, to everyone at the time. I was like, hey, just stay at West Ham and keep scoring goals and doing what you're doing. Uh, it didn't happen. He did say that he wants to uh, fight for his place at Manchester United. Now, if Dan James has no place left in the squad and was sold, um, and you've got Ronaldo there, you've got Cavani and Greenwood and Rashford and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Pogba plays on the left sometimes with all those players I just mentioned, and you know with like the the Arlo's loan failed, so he's still at the club. Obviously, you got uh, Alanga that you mentioned, uh, Palestri that you mentioned uh, as well. I don't know how Lingard and Particularly, Martial with his recent form get into that team because if you've got available to you, let's say like Greenwood, let's say you've already got a front three available to you, which is let's say Ronaldo, Cavani, Sancho, just for an example. You're not, are you really going to put one of those three players on the bench and then put Lingard or Martial in? Especially if you know, at the end of the day, in, in terms of this whole team, if Ronaldo's available. He's not going on the bench. You're not putting Cristiano Ronaldo on your bench. And you're not putting Rashford or Lingard or Marshall or really anybody in his place. As much as some people like Pogba on the left, and obviously you could put Ronaldo up front, Pogba on the left, whatever you want. There's a lot of different combinations you can do with those front three. I just don't see, whether it's Marshall down the middle or on the left or Lingard on the right or on the left, wherever you're going to put them... Hell, if if Oli even tries to put like Lingard up front or w- w- whatever you have for those combinations, right? I just don't see if you've already got three players that can fill those spots for a particular game, how Lingard and Martial get into that team. Um, what do you what do you think of kind of their futures? And I suppose with Martial's poor form recently,
1: I I have a very controversial sort of an opinion about Lingard. I uh, I, I I like Lingard. I you know I've always liked him. He's one of you know he's he's one of our own. He's you know he's risen through the ranks. I have a lot of respect for him, especially what he's gone through in his personal life with his mental illness and you know uh, you know stuff with his brother, personal life and all of that. And then being you know being able to come back, not having gotten much chance last season, then goes out on loan, has a great spell with West Ham, then comes back and does okay in the preseason. Now you know with England he's doing really well too. I my thing with Lingard is that he really he is one of those players who likes to play in spaces, mm. and that's why he excelled at West Ham because West Ham had two real good midfielders, Sucek and Rice, and they they played they played a very good defensive line, and it, and they were very good on the counter when Lingard came on, and that is when he came on uh, and joined the team, and that was the time when they were playing. Moyes was playing a lot of good uh, you know attacking football, but they were also playing very good precise. Uh, precise counter-attacking football and, and some of the goals that he scored and some of the assists he had was really when they were attacking counter-attacking and he had spaces to run he's like a floater he's not very fast but he's a good <laughs> ball carrier. he's a good ball carrier you know he's good with the ball he can run into spaces with United he doesn't really fit into this team because we we don't have we don't have a problem with players uh, who can attack on counter we, I feel it's one of the best counter-attacking footballers in the world. We got Sancho who showed with Dortmund, who was who was one right up there. And then of course we got, you know, now Ronaldo is coming and he's, he's, you know, he's the, one of the best when it comes to counter-attacking football too. And then Martial is good with, with pace as well. And then you bring in Bruno and everybody. So where does he fit in? I, I think, honestly, I don't think he's going to get many chances. And I know, and I'm saying that because I really, I really feel like I can get into Ole's head. I, you know, I've been following him so much and been trying to understand, you know, what is his logic behind some of the substitutions he makes and how he chooses and picks his team. And I'm thinking to myself, how is he going to play Lingard? Because you really want him to go. But then he didn't want to disappoint him because, you know, he's an academy player and somewhere he felt the need to respect his decision and he's kept him. And now I'm thinking the only way he, he comes into this team. He, he's not going to start unless it's a dead rubber or it's a cup, you know, a very one-sided cup game that you know where he's resting his main players. But in the league, if he's going to start him, he's not. He's going to bring him off the bench and he's going to. I think, and I, I sort of agree with that. And this is my opinion. I think he's going to bring him on when he's resting, uh, uh, Bruno, or he is, uh, you know, he's going to sub him for Bruno because Bruno. I think Lingard is mm-hmm. best fitted in that Bruno position. He's not really a winger. He's not really a striker. But he, he he has he can play as a false nine and he can play as a number ten. And I think that is where Lingard can fit in, but I don't think I don't see I don't see him starting any game for us. And I see him as a backup to Bruno when he wants to rest Bruno. I don't think that'll be a bad ploy because he will get some spaces because Bruno also runs, you know, runs in that free roll a lot, if you see. And he does, you know, he will yeah. run, he'll do the press. He has to sit back and assist. He can do that as well. Maybe Lingard can't do that because Lingard can't sit back and you know play as an attacking midfielder. But he can play as a guy who can play behind a striker. So that's that's a little bit about Lingard. Martial. Now Martial is an interesting one because you know I I I've been a huge fan of Martial till last year. Uh, and and when 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 Lukaku left, I thought that was Martial's sign. sign. Uh, I. I don't know if you recall, but you know, under Mourinho he he really fell off with Mourinho and he was really disappointed that his number nine t shirt was taken and given to Lukaku when Lukaku came. Mm. And he thought he was nine and he made he made some of those comments public. And 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 then Ole came in and said, You know what? You think you're number nine? I'll give you the chance. Let's see if you can go and prove yourself to be a number nine. And as things have turned out, and and I'm I'm only talking about numbers and facts. He's he's really you know struggled in that number nine position. He's a he's a very good finisher. I've I, I've always said he's a very good finisher. When when he's in the flow and he gets some goals under his belt and he's he's got some games under his belt, he's a momentum player. He's a player who likes momentum on his side and he can score a lot of goals because he's a good he's a he, he does he doesn't really miss easy chances except for that except for the one against PSG which you know <laughs> which haunted me for days and days but what,
0: what was that one was that the one right in front of like a basically empty goal I remember, remembering <laughs> yeah. the right yeah that was that yeah I remember that one yeah <laughs> so
1: I think he's not really a number nine but Ole has given him the you know opportunity I think his best spell was just when you know just last season after the lockdown when we had those six run of six seven games when he finished in top four and we had those great you know Great scores against Brighton, Sheffield United, and Aston Villa, and and he, you know, against Crystal Palace, he scored a brilliant goal. I think that was his best spell when he was playing uh, in a great link-up partnership with Rashford, Rashford off the left, and he's playing in the middle. But I don't know what happened, and that was a time when I expected him to press on and go on and become like a 20 to 25 uh, goal, you know, goals per season guy, mm. and of course he had season last year and then then now I think again thinking putting myself in Ole's shoes I would personally so there are two, two things to this one is what do I think Ole will do and what do I think he should do I think he should I think he should still give Martial more chances instead of Sancho if Rashford is not fit and play or he can play Sancho on the right and I think he should still start with Martial on the left try to get some confidence going till Rashford comes back and see you know what he does because now with Cavani and Rashford, he's not going to... always made up his mind he's not his number nine now. He's not even his backup number nine. We've got three. We've got Greenwood ahead of him too. So the only place he can start is, you know, on the left. He's not really done too much on the right, but I'm sure he can play a little bit there because he's he's got a, he's got a brilliant left foot. Um, I feel he's going to start from the left and he should start from the left and let's see if he can get some confidence going. I thought when he came on against Wolves, against Sancho, he looked good. I thought that 15, 20 minutes, he looked decent. I thought he had decent runs from the left. He picked up a couple of, you know, critical fouls. He can do that piece. He can win some penalties in the box too because, you know, he's he's a touch player. I don't think it's, you know, over for him. But, uh, but the fact that he wanted to play as a nine and he hasn't really succeeded, it now gives him the option to play as a second fiddle to a Sancho or a Rashford. Uh, I think... Knowing Ole, Ole will always prefer Rashford to Martial. And once Rashford is fit, then he's gonna be more of a bench player. Till Rashford doesn't come on, I think he should get more chances, and then again it's you know, it's his it's his time to shine and prove to Ole that he can play as a left winger, maybe even take Rashford's place.
0: Mm. Yeah. When's Rashford supposed to be back? October, isn't it? I think.
1: He's training. Uh, we play. We play Everton on the third uh, after the second international break. So yeah, I think he should be back after the second international break.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It, with, with me and Martial, um, I'll say what I've kind of said before a little bit. I think what I think. I think there's some evidence to what I'm about to say as well. Is last season when we signed Teller's and when we signed Cavani, Teller's came in and Luke Shaw started playing better. That's not a coincidence because Luke Shaw, e- e- even though Luke Shaw still very much would have been the number one and we knew that Tellez was cover, there still could have been a opportunity where Shaw still didn't continue to play that well and Tellez could have taken his place. That didn't happen and Luke Shaw had probably one of his best, if not his best, seasons for Manchester United and Tellez was very much still used as a backup, which is what we got him for, the whole point of that. Um, Marshall was, it it was pretty much what Lingard, uh, Marshall and Rashford were sort of the, that used to be the combination with like Dan James thrown in there for certain in, in certain games. Cavani comes in, right? And then you kind of had a front three of Rashford Cavani and then sometimes Greenwood on the right, although you sometimes had a billion other players on the right hand side uh, and whatever we used to do sometimes matter or whatever. I think what happened was Cavani came into the team, Greenwood was still breaking through, still scoring goals, mainly being played on the right. Cavani came in and he started scoring some goals, started doing some things. And I think that caused, instead of that giving Marshall the sort of like kick that he needed, so to speak, to kick on and play a bit better, I think it made the opposite effect, which was maybe he saw how good Cavani was or that the competition was maybe too much for him. And you could tell in the in not not just in the way that he wasn't scoring goals, but in his performance, in his lack of kind of movement off the ball, his and, and just his general expression and body language, you could see the drop in confidence. You can still see it now, and I just think that okay, Cavani was there. Cavani's still there. Greenwood's now moving into more of a number nine role, which is where I think he should be playing. He should be playing down the middle, and now Ronaldo, you know, one of the biggest names in football, has just come in. And you've got to think if you're Martial, like, yeah, you could play on the left. But Pogba mm. and Rashford sometimes play there. Greenwood could play on the left, which I w- really wouldn't like. I want Greenwood to play down the middle. But Ronaldo comes in. Ronaldo can also play on the left. He can play down the middle. And it just doesn't give... It gives Martial even less kind of opportunity. And I, I wonder... Because after, obviously, we signed Cavani and Martial would have looked at that and thought, like, oh, I've got to, like, step up my game. But he just couldn't quite do it. What does Ronaldo coming in do do to him? And then the fact that Greenwood, you know, what's he scored? Does he scored one in every game so far? I think th- three in three, isn't yep.
1: it, for the for the start of the season so far? I think that's a good. point, you. I think that's a good point, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a uh, more 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 than um, more than just a good point. It's it's the timing of the question because today. Vanderbake's agent has sort of uh, given 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 some of the stuff away in his you know in his latest quotes. I don't know who he's been talking to. It's been very intriguing, and um, I've been following this whole Vanderbake, and of course you know we can have a separate podcast on the whole Vanderbake issue. But uh, but Vanderbake's agent has gone ahead and said that, uh, and he's he's in a way given away uh, you know Ole's strategy. Uh, and he's saying that, Ole, you know, in the most recent conversation he's had with Wanderbeek, the plan was to, the plan was that Wanderbeek would play in the midfield because Pogba would get pushed where, you know, and put would play as a left winger. But now with Ronaldo coming in, Pogba is going to come back into the midfield, which now also arrests most of the opportunities that, that he thought Wanderbeek is going to get. Uh, it, it will won't be limited but you know he's going he's going to still have to play second fiddle to Pogba and uh, you know and of course uh, Bruno and and come off the bench where th- where the agent said that he was thinking he's going to start more games because because Pogba will leave that position for Van Beek to start in because Van be- because Pogba would would play on the left but what he's saying is that with Ronaldo coming in uh Ronaldo coming in what that does is that pushes Pogba back into the midfield position, which which is a little confusing because because Ronaldo comes in for Cavani, really, and Cavani probably, because he's not going to play Cavani and Pogba, sorry, Cavani and... Uh, uh, I lost my thought there. Sorry, Ronaldo R- together. Ronaldo? Yeah. But he's not going to play Cavani and Ronaldo together. So Cavani, Cavani literally is your number nine. So Ronaldo plays as a number nine, and then he's got Sancho, and he can still play... Pogba on the left and he can still play Van de Beek in the midfield but but if Rashford is fit and Ra- Rashford comes to the left then I know that Pogba will get pushed back into the midfield in a double pivot so my my I, I'm not even thinking about Martial because I'm thinking more about Van de Beek because you know what happens to Van de Beek is uh, he's been cons- consistently constantly been consoled and told that he's going to get chances and now you know, now every day the you know this is getting little. You know, I won't say it's getting ugly, but it's getting more and more complicated with his agent talking so much about internal tactics and stuff, which I, which I personally don't think is you know should be the case. Ole should put you know nip that in the butt and 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 talk to Van der Beek and say, ask your you know ask your agent to you know to to just 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 shut up. And I I told you that I'm going to give you chances but if ole is not saying that to vanderbeek then vanderbeek is is telling his agent to go and you know say whatever he wants to because see in the end you know he's his agent and he will he will vouch for him and he will say things that he feels are 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 derailing his progress and uh, derail, derailing his development see there's no this this whole Van de Beek situation is so uncanny because 40 million is not a small amount to buy a midfielder and put him on a bench for two years and and more than that, 40 million, uh, you know, considering how big an amount that is, was spent during the pandemic when the pandemic had just hit us. And, you know, and, and he was our first signing last summer and he was probably the only signing to be brought in a couple of players towards the end. So, so I really question, you know, Ole's thinking behind the signing because it must have given him enough time to think, you know, who he wants to bring in during the pandemic. And then they spend 40 million and then they get him. And he still doesn't know what position he wants to play him at. So that that is really, you know, um, it's 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 baffling, really. I mean, uh, why would you spend, you know, so much of time bringing a player in and not even know uh, what his best position is? Now you're saying, okay, I, you know, I want to play him at a as a pivot because I don't want to play him instead of Bruno because Bruno is of course the number ten. And I think I think Van der can play in the pivot. Now you're saying you're, you're going to bring Pogba back. Going back to your question about Marshall, uh, I agree with everything that you've said. I think he's really low on confidence. He's had opportunities. And and if he, you know, honestly, Matthew, I can only see him playing as a winger right now. Uh, even though I feel that he can still play as a false nine, along with Ronaldo in that position, I think just behind Ronaldo is a very good position for him because he's a, again, see, players like Sancho, Martial, Van de Beek, Bruno are given go players they are very good with short passes they're mm-hmm. one touch players they don't give the ball away too much Bruno does because sometimes he takes unnecessary risks and things like that but that's the way he is and you know it's gotten him a lot of rewards so why change that but if you look at Martial and you look at Van Beek individualistically and you also look at uh, you know Sancho there you put these guys in you know right up there you know to to, to, and that's how you break low blocks. You break low blocks. You know the great teams uh, of Barcelona's in the early, you know, in, in 2010, 2012, and the uh, Pep, you know, Pep, uh, Pep's uh, City's uh, team, the way they used to break. low That's how you break low blocks by, you know, by bringing in these one-touch footballers who give and go. And I yeah, think Sancho, Van, yeah, Sancho, Sancho, Van der Marshall will be so good in breaking low blocks. So I would, I would idly and this is what i would want to do I, I would want to have sancho on the right van de beek as a number 8 and then marshall right behind uh, rashford uh, sorry ronaldo as a false nine and then you're looking at and it's a, almost like a 442 but not not really a 442 because because you know marshall can come back into a in, into a 3 so then then you got then you got pogba van de beek bruno sancho ronaldo and marshall can break any
0: team down. Any team. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, it's interesting, like hearing you talk about like the, the how how we should sort of line up and the the whole pivot thing as well. Because there's only, at the end of the day, there's only so much space for uh, a yeah. certain amount of players. You can only pick ten outfielders. Uh, four of them are the, are the back four, obviously, and then there's, there's only so much space for like the pivot and the the wingers and all that sort of thing. The the thing the problem with the, the, what's going to be really interesting now with this whole uh, the, the way that Oli lines up and Ronaldo's inclusion, if Pogba plays on the left, right, which is what Oli has like kind of preferred to do and has liked to do, at least as long as like Rashford is is probably out, um, and let's say you've got like Ronaldo up front or something, Pogba on the left, I still don't think van, Donny Van der Beek is getting in either at the ten or the six or the eight because he loves playing. Fred McTominay, which takes up both those those spots and then he likes to put Bruno in front of those two anyway and that leaves no space for um for van for uh that leaves no space for Van De, Van der apart from the bench, which is where he always kind of is. Uh I did a I did a podcast a few weeks ago called The Curious Case of Donny van der looking at like the price and Van der Sar's involvement and um looking at his actual stats and everything. Um his stats just for the Premier League for last season Van der Beek he started 4 games in the Premier League so there's 38 obviously he only started 4 and he was brought on as a sub 15 times now you got to think of the amount of times yeah. he brought him on in the 83rd minute the 89th minute sometimes how much probably at least about 10 of those so he really just hasn't had the opportunity um, I think to really and when when we have seen him starting games or or do some certain things with like build up play and the quick passing, he's looking mm-hmm. really good. I just think the thing that's getting in his way is not necessarily Pogba in the pivot; it's McTominay mm-hmm. and Fred. Um, and I suppose this can get into our sort of lineup discussion, which I guess we're we're already sort of on anyway. And the whole like yeah. ollie, ollie in, Ollie out stuff. It's yeah. because. Ollie doesn't like to really substitute people. He doesn't really rotate his squad enough. And then we saw, again in the Wolves game on Sunday, Fred was a mess for the first fifteen minutes, yeah. falling over, yeah. chasing after players, miscontrolling the ball. He still stayed on the entire game. And you got to think, as Van der Beek, right? They're all watching that performance. They're all on the bench watching the game. Uh, Ollie's there, Carrick McKenna's there, uh, Van der Beek's there. Whoever else was on the bench is there. And everyone's watching this poor Fred performance, and we're struggling to break down Wolves, and he's keeping McTominay and Fred there. And I don't have much as a problem with, with McTominay. I actually quite like him. But he keeps Fred there. And you got to think, as Donny, you got to think, like, please get me on that pitch. Like, just let me do... Like, this Fred guy isn't doing anything right now. Like Because he... he tried to chase after, was it Raul Jimenez or something? And he fell over, and Jimenez almost scored. Uh... She she... Sorry? Drinko. It it was one of the Wolves players. Yeah, he he ran after, and then he just he fell on the, the floor. So yeah.
1: just, just sat him down, and and then Van Basaka made that brilliant save.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you got to think like that. That that's where it does come down to the manager and the the choices, um, and that sort of thing, and just keeping Fred on. And I don't know. It's it's, it's just things like that. Uh, I do want to get. Yeah. We, we have some. We have some other players in a minute to talk about that went on loan that we'll talk about in a sec. Um, let's get into this. This Oli out, Oli in thing. So, what is it for you as to why you like Oli Um I
1: think it's in my nature to to support. Uh, you know, my manager. Uh, I've I've been supporting United. Uh, you know for 32 years now uh you know i'm older than i sound and uh and i um you know i i started supporting uh united you know very early in, in life and you know from late 80s early 90s and uh i i you know i i remember reading and watching uh and following a lot of what Fergie did with United and I try to draw some similarities which is really, you know, uh sort of absurd because you know you can't compare Fergie with anybody, let alone Ole. Not but really, no, but yeah. there have been similarities in in you know in, in in some of the things that Fergie when Fergie took over United, um you know, he had he had trouble with players like Robson, um, you know, and uh Mil- you know, a couple of others, um, uh, uh, white, you know, white side and stuff. And they, they, they he had alcohol issues with these guys. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, he, I remember reading in his book, he, you know, and quoting him, he said he was depressed because he didn't know what to do with these guys. And you know, they were all of these, you know, and Robson was a big player at that time when Fergie when he came in. You know, Fergie got him. Uh, and they, they, these guys had drinking problems and stuff, and he sorted the, that stuff out. And there was, of course, the first season uh, was was decent, um, but you know, second season wasn't that great. And then they used to call him the Furious Fergie. You know, that is, you know, that is what he called himself in the book. And uh, and if you compare that with, and of course, he he had a great he had a great uh, career. He he had just coached Scotland. Uh, he was coaching Scotland. He was the nat- national coach when he came to United. He had quit Aberdeen, and he had, I think, seven or eight years with Aberdeen, and uh, in which he won, he, you know, he won Aberdeen the first, you know, Scottish league in like thirty years. You know, took them to European Championship and all of that stuff. And he broke a lot of records. And you know, to be honest, he made some great signings with Aberdeen also. And then when he when he came when he came to United, he started making great signings. You know, broaden. You know, brought back Mark Hughes and, you know, of course, Robson comes to mind and then, of course, Cantona later on and everything. And then it's in the 90s that he started then tasting victory. Ole, I, you know, to compare that, Ole has been not the furious Fergie, but, you know, man-manager who's like, you know, loved by the teams. Every player talks very highly of him. He's made that change because he understands that, you know, he can't be Fergie in today's day and age, because modern football is not easy to manage. You know, mm-hmm. they have ages in their years, they have families in their years, they have everything, they have exposure, exposure, social media, money, wages, contracts, thousand things, and and, and the, the you know manager has to change his approach and how he manages people. And I think he's done that fantastically. I give him credit for that. Uh, the way he's handled the Pogba situation, the way he's, of course, Van der Beek situation is an exception. Uh, barring that, I think he's—he's—you he's, know—the way he's improved a lot of players and what he's brought out of—you know—players like Bruno and, you know, of course, Rashford—you uh, know—in the beginning of his management and then, you know, now and some of the signings. So there's a lot of positives, and then there's there's—I know this sounds like a cliche—but um, there's there is a touch of uh, progression. You know, there's development. There is, we are far better than what we were under, you know, when Jose left us. We are a far better team. Uh, and I will credit Ole for that. Because he's, you know, he's responsible for bringing, you know, players like Varan and Maguire. I was in spaces today and somebody told me that Varane and Sancho are not Ole signing. I'm like, gosh, I mean, what the hell are you guys talking about? But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been chasing Sancho since he came to United. And Sancho, yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah I mean it doesn't even make sense, but you gotta give credit to the fact that ole you know has brought in some real good players, you know, remember the signings from last four or five years ago barring I think Marino was backed very well, I think he got some real good players uh except for Di Maria, which was a expensive signing. I think Van Hal got some shitty signings, you know the Damians and the Rohus blame I mean signings, right? So we've been through all of that and now I'm feeling, now when I see Wanan signing, you know, Sancho signing, Maguire signing, Van basaka has also not been good. I know people have their reservations about, uh, about Van Basaka but I've got my own opinion about Van Basaka and I think with Dallo coming in he's going to get pushed too uh, because Dallo comes with a lot of good, you know he comes in good form comes with some good performance behind his back, breaking into the Portugal team too for the Euros. So Dalot is going to push him too. And then, uh, you know, the, and then Van der Beek signing, which which we all thought was a great signing at that point, but it is, you know, of course not worked out till now. I think mm-hmm. Dan James signing, that signing, you know, you and I agree to that. Uh, so some of the players he's brought in, I, year on year development is very important. My thing, you know, um, Matthew, as a United fan and being, you know, slightly old school too, and 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 you know being so involved in every day-to-day Man United life, I literally live Manchester United every day. The thing with me is that I I I like to I, I like to not look at some of his mistakes and define them as you know diabolical or fireable mistakes, you know, game management issues, not making the right substitutions, losing the Villarreal final. I don't think those, I know I, I can list down and list down my frustration like any, any other Ole out and say, you know, that Villarreal final was there to be won, should have never gone to the finals. I know, but then I ask myself the question, does he deserve the sack for losing the Villarreal final and making the mistakes he did? Because Fergie would have thrown the kitchen sink in the last 15 minutes. But did he have the players to bring on to then impact the game? People say we should have brought in Mandevig. I mean, the guy, had, like you said, he, he started only four games before that. And you're expecting a guy like him to come in and change the whole game in the 70th, 60th minute? So, of course, you know, it doesn't make sense looking at looking at what he had on the bench at his disposal. Now, fast forward three months, you yourself said that, you know, we got players that are pushing players. You look at Shaw, he's got a great backup mm. in, in, in TELUS. You look at uh, Varane, great backup in Lindelof. look at Maguire, great backup in Van. Van uh, uh, the goalkeeper situation, two very good goalkeepers pushing each other right back. Now you got Van, Van Bissaka, uh, you know, being pushed by Diallo. You go into the midfield, you got you know, of course, you've got the, you, you, you got the, we got mattis there, who you know, who I think is now you know over his you know, is through with his glory days and. Is not the same player he was. But then he got Fred and McTominay there. And then he got, uh, you know, then he got Van de Beek there. And then he got Tom Rappel, So He got six, seven midfielders. they pushing each other, depending on who he plays. And then you got Sancho, who can be pushed by Greenwood if he plays him on the right. You got uh, Ronaldo being pushed by Cavani. And then he got, of course, you know, Rashford being pushed by Martial, who, you know, I mean, nobody can deny he's a great talent and a great player, still only 23. So this is this is how I look at uh, look, look, look at the score today and say three months ago he could we could never say we had a score. Now I can say that Ole has a score. And if if we were to rewind and go back into that Villarreal final, maybe you know if he had, if, and, and and again people talk about the fact that he never made substitutions. If you look at the Wolves game, if if you look at the Southampton game, he brought in Sancho in the 55th minute. Never did he do that in the whole season last season. Uh, you know and then he made uh, then then uh, against wolves he brought in cavani uh, in the 50 uh, you know i think 60, 60th minute and then he made you know then then he brought in uh, um, then he brought in uh, who was it so i'm forgetting in 75th minute he brought in somebody else so yeah, i know yeah. i i i know that he see making substitution is not is is not a is is, is not a chronicle uh you know Disobed- disobedience of management. It is it is what you have at your disposal and you make you're taking that call. You know, in, in football management, as a manager, you've got to make those decisions and you've got to make them at that point. Last season, everyone criticized him for his game management and not being able to make the substitutions. And he was, you know, and there was a time I felt that, okay, you know, let me give him the benefit of the doubt and say maybe maybe that's because he doesn't trust the players in the bench. But can he make the same can he make the same excuse now? The answer is no. And now you will see him making more substitutions and making more attacking substitutions because that is that is what he's that is what he knows. There's nothing else he knows because he played in those in the, in that team of class of 1992 and with those players and with with Fergie, where I mean he was a classic sub, you know, and he used to come on 65th minute and score four goals. So, of course, he understands the meaning of, you know, making impact substitutions, making the, the right substitutions at the right time. But I just, I just feel that last year, he just didn't have the options. And today, he can't make that excuse. Mm, why, yeah. am I, why am I Ole in? Because I feel that he has the team now to challenge for the title. Will I be Ole out if we don't win anything? 100% yes. Because, you know, three times, three years, and giving him as much time as we've given him is a lot. And uh, he's been measured, he's been he's been weighed, and is he he will be found wanting if he doesn't deliver. Uh, sacking him now is not correct because you're reinventing the wheel. You're bringing in somebody like Conte who will play a very different system, and maybe Bruno won't fit into that system. Maybe Baran would fit into the, fit into that system. Maybe Sancho would wouldn't fit into that system. And then again, we we we're going back to square one, and we reinventing the wheel. Uh, I always said that I'll be Ole out once he's backed and he asks for the players he wants and he doesn't deliver. Yeah. And then I say, okay, it's time for him to go. I don't think that time was last season. I think now he's been, he's gotten, I think we've had the best transfer in the last seven years. He's got the transfer window that he was, he was craving for. And now is his litmus test. Now he has to deliver. And then six months down the road around, you know, Christmas or even past Christmas, if we are not even in, uh, contention for the league title, then I think then I think he you know it's time for him to go. Even if we finish in top four, I don't think he should stay because I think he's going to get enough chances now, and he's gotten enough chances, and he's got the players he wanted. He didn't get the DM, maybe he didn't want it, maybe he trusts. Uh, I don't know what the thinking is. You know we we are not part of we're not part of these you know meetings that happen. We don't know mm-hmm. what you know what is behind the scenes, but there. Surely has to be some conversation around why he didn't get a DM and who is he going to play? Uh, maybe pulls a you know pulls a rabbit out of the hat. God knows what he's going to do. But see, that is his problem. That is not my problem. That is not your problem. That mm-hmm. is not the board. Because if he really wanted a midfielder, Saul was there for the taking. So Neves was there for the taking. Uh, we could have taken the same money we got for James and we could have just spent that on Neves. Neves was a 30 million, 35 million, 40 maximum. We could have spent another 5,000, uh, sorry, 5, 5 million extra. So so no excuses now. But yeah, for me to be all out, it has to be something drastic. It has to be something almost us getting knocked out of the Champions League with one point remaining was drastic. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I know a lot of people were all out. I wasn't uh, because... Simply because I, I just, you know, I, I, I just felt that okay, let's see what he does in the league. You know, the Champions League we got knocked out, and then I said, okay, you know, we got to judge him not based on one tournament, but based on you know what he does in the league, because that's his, uh, you know, that's 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 where his management is uh, of paramount interest to me. So, and that's, and then he finished second, and then now now he's got the window he asked for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just on the uh, CDM thing from Annette before I talk about Ollie and myself. Um, I th- I honestly think one of the reasons we didn't go for a CDM is because Ollie's got the two or one and a half or whatever that he wants, which is Fred and McTominay. He loves those. Th- he loves playing those two players, or at least he. I think he. I think he sees Fred as his CDM, and he likes to partner him with McTominay. That's. I, I think that's why he didn't go for a CDM and maybe he just doesn't see that as an issue but possibly with this season with us improving like you know we've got the right winger we've got a striker we've got a new um, a new centre back he's got van der Beek that he hasn't like quite fully used and, and all that sort of thing he's still got the players that are already there Pogba and Bruno and everybody else I think now that we've like plucked basically all of the other gaps because we've got plenty of good strikers, plenty of good wingers, got good fullbacks, good goalkeepers, good centre backs, good like other midfielders, but it's just that CDM role. So I wonder if that's gonna sort of poke out to him a little bit more this season. I don't know, but um, in terms of my my Ollie out stuff, I'll just I mean it's kind of stuff I've said like on the show before. I think. His his late substitutions or his lack of substitutions are incredibly annoying. I think um I, I do think there's a little bit of sort of I don't know if it's favouritism, but just him very, very strongly preferring certain players. Uh like when Rashford was clearly injured and he, he kept him on and there and, and that kind of stuff. And the the again the weird treatment of Van der Baker, like you, you brought him in, you, you wanted him, you got him in, you don't really use him. Um, I do think sometimes as well, when it gets to that later part of the game, let's say past like the sixtieth minute roughly, or sixty fifth minute, that period of the game where it's sort of okay, if we let's say we're drawing or even losing at that point, that's the point in the game I feel that you need to like You yourself as the manager need to get up and do something. Whether it's a substitution at that moment. Whether it's telling a player to do something. And there will be a lot of of times that the camera will cut over to him. And he'll kind of just be sitting there. Now he might be thinking of certain things that we're not. We don't know what he's thinking. We can only see the expression on his face and his body language. Which I do think still tells us certain things about him. But it's just the way he kind of sometimes seems to sit there and seems to... Think that the situation is like okay, um, and just and, and for and for me this is a very kind of personal gripe as well, or well, not really personal gripe, but something that really does irritate me a lot is where he's playing people what I would consider out of position. I know some people like Pogba on the left. I think it should be like maybe a different player. Although Pogba does work there sometimes. For me, like I said earlier, the Dan James Sancho switching thing, which he's done, he's done that before with Rashford. He's done that before, I think, with like. James and Greenwood, uh, not James, yeah, James and Greenwood or Rashford and Greenwood, where he keeps swapping the wingers over, um, or when he's, I don't know, the, the times he's played like Fred and Matic, which is our worst pivot combination, which I think he did in the second game, I think it was, uh, which was the, what was that, the Southampton one, the, the 1-1 game, and he left Fred and Matic there, and it's like, okay, you need to be bringing on somebody attacking or putting somebody attacking there, I, we're, I I think we do agree with what you said kind of at the start with sort of, yeah, he definitely has saved this team and vastly, vastly improved this team. I mean, if you look at the actual squad in terms of player for player, I think we can comfortably say this is the best team that we've had since that 2013 Alex Ferguson team. I mean, we've got no more sort of like Di Maria, any of those kind of players that don't really fit in, or people like Belind and Rojo. Although Rojo, is he still at this club, Rojo? I actually... I don't really know, but um, like now we've got people like you know Maguire and Varane, who's a lot better. Eric Bailey, who I really like a lot. Tellers has come in; he's been really good. I I like the left back choices of Shaw and Tellers. I think that's great. Um, so and and yeah, there does seem to be a general bit of okay, like a bright spirit at Manchester United. And you see Oli in the training videos or whatever or press conferences, and he does have that sort of that positive attitude towards him, which we definitely did need post Mourinho and everything where things were just a bit doom and gloom and like you know that the morale at the club was very very low uh because yeah out of the players that he's brought in what the two and a bit seasons he's been here this is his third year of course I he hasn't made a bad signing I mean even the temporary thing with Agarlo that worked out fairly well I mean he he did fairly well because I I can't look at any player that Oli's bought and say like that was a bad signing they've all pretty much worked out i mean obviously dan james has now moved on but it i think for those two years it worked for what dan james was supposed to do um but he hasn't made a bad signing i i think it's just it, it's just for me his team selections his substitutions or really late substitutions like when he's bringing donny on in the 89th minute when there's like a minute and a half left to go or something uh things like that it's certain playing certain players out of position and just that just that kind of, like, towards the end of a game thing where you're looking for the manager to put his input into the game. Like, the players have been playing for 65, 70 minutes. That group of players have maybe done what they can. You need to either make some subs or say something to the players. And he does just sit there a bit too much for me. Um, and, I, I mean, to me, it's not even necessarily a case of he needs to be sacked from the football club. I wonder if, like... Just getting him a, like a better assistant, just just somebody that can kind of like point out a few things to him, just give him a bit of a better like a bit of guidance almost. I I I think would be ideal. Either that, or if like Oli just moved to a coaching role himself within the club, and then you just had a different person making those decisions I just mentioned. Um so I think it's I think it's good to have him at the club because obviously he brings a lot of positivity and he is good at doing certain things. I just think with some of those important choices I mentioned, I'd maybe like somebody else to either do those things for him or give him a bit of a helping hand. I don't know just just somebody just somebody to guide him a little bit and say like, You know what, maybe you should do this or that, and look, we don't hear the conversations that he has with Carrick and McKenna. We don't hear those conversations. But um, just just that kind of thing, maybe. So, um, any thoughts yeah. on, on that stuff?
1: Yeah, I no interesting points. I uh, I agree with you know a lot of things you've said there. The Rashford, you know, the Rashford uh, decision was of course uh, inexplicable as far as I'm concerned. But then I thought to myself, Marshall was also injured at that point. Who could he have brought on? Dan James was his, whole, uh, you know, the only option. He brought him on eventually, you know, uh, pretty late in the day. Uh, again, you ask yourself the question. Uh, the, the, you know, the management is that, you know, in hindsight you look at them, and he, even he looks at them as a, as an individual, as a football fan, as a, as a, as a, as a guy who loves the club and probably dwells on it and says you know, maybe I could have brought in Henderson for the penalties, uh, you know, a lot before, yeah, or, yeah. you know, Rashford. And, but, you know, did he make the right decision at the right time? Dan says, you know, no, because, you know, we lost the game. So, you know, can't can't defend him on on some of those decisions he's taken. Another one that comes to mind is against PSG when Fred was all over the shop and looked like he's going to get a second yellow, and everybody was yeah, crying out.
0: Yeah.
1: At, at Halftime, I mean, he kept him on then in caught the you know this the the i mean i could see the yellow card coming from 50 miles away right and he didn't and he he kept him on and then it you know it came back to bite him so it happens in football you know sometimes i mean even fergie's made some crazy decisions in the past i remember you know i, I can go on and on but you know fergie and his days and mistakes he's made because you know i i can i can write a book on it I, i've watched every game so closely you know i i feed him free time i keep doing that but just just a couple of things. Van de Beek's situation, I think we need another podcast for that. But uh, again, Pogba situation is has not helped him. Pogba has been very you know very cryptic about his future, and even though he's been you know great in handling like, the situation, uh, it has somehow you know pulled us back in making the decisions. I mean, I heard you know uh, I heard uh, Romano say in his uh, podcast uh, you know recently that keep an eye on the Pogba situation. If he doesn't sign the contract and he goes off goes for free, uh, you know, look at Yuri Telemans as one of the guys Ole might want to sub, sub you know, bring bring him instead of Pogba, which I think will be a very good signing for us. I love Telemans. Uh but again, see, that situation is again hanging right, you know, right there, the way it was for two years. It's been like that. His agent is, you know, is is an you know, forgive my French, but is an asshole. Um, so, so, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I don't really, you, you, I always try to, you know, I always try to put myself in a situation, see how can he, you know, how can he, what can he do better? Uh, I think now, if he continues to make these mistakes, I will be, I'll be disappointed. Last season, I can, I'm not defending him, but I sort of see why he made the decisions that he made, uh. There's no, you know, th- there wasn't logic to some of the decisions, but there was, there was some, some defense in, you know, in, in some of the decisions he made. At least I feel that way. I, 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 I love the way he handled the Day and Henderson situation. I love the way he handled the Pogba situation. I, I love the way he's bringing in the, you know, bringing best out of Bruno. I mean, you know, half our fan base still feels that he's not world class, which is, which is just rubbish. But so much, you know, so, so, so much. Uh, so much of what he's done is now gonna, you know, has to has to result in result uh, result or convert in 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 trophies. Otherwise, if it doesn't, then all of this good work or you know whatever work he's done, I I feel I feel he's progressed us as a as a team, as a as a squad, as a club. Uh, you know, Jose really did leave us in a mess, and and I was thinking to myself, what is going to happen? Are we going to become the next Liverpool? And suddenly, you know, in two and a half years' time, he's at least made, brought us where we can challenge for the title. I think this team can really win the league this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's a positive. Uh, it has to come to fruition. And again, again, coaching. See, I, I don't, I, I go on spaces, and I tell, you know, everybody that I am not the right guy to comment on whether he's tactical, whether he has a system, what system he has. What are his coaches doing? What does Carrick do? He's brought in Ramsey. Because we don't really know what happens behind the scenes. How much of coaching he does. Who's the guy who really picks up the team is him. But what goes in behind all of that you know, decision-making? What, you know, what are the things that pr- provoke him to do it? One thing he wants to do is he wants to play penetrative football. He wants to make his team very attacking. And he wants to play very direct. And he wants to and he wants to keep the hold of the ball for seventy to eighty percent of the time in a football match, and and have his guys go you know have his team go out there and penetrate, and and that is what is missed uh, or has been missing in the last you know last few months for him. We have not been able to be that team that penetrates and scores those four five goals, you know every every you know week and week out. I think that is what he wants to do, which is why. You know, he's brought in the players that he's brought. And I think Varan I know a lot of people disagree with this, but if you saw the game against Wolves, you must have seen the high line that Varan and Maguire played. And yeah. I think they are a very good make a very good partnership. You know, some real senseless people sometimes say things like, you know, Varane uh, and Lindelof should be the partnership. I'm like, okay, let's not even talk about football then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maguire and Varane are really a partnership made in heaven. You know, they, they, they will complement each other. I saw the way they were working each other off before the match started and they were, you know, working on positional play. Varane has experience so he can dictate that to Maguire. Maguire is the captain. There's respect there. And then they both played high line, which is why there was, you know, there was just Fred there. Uh, Fred wasn't the right personnel for that job, but at least he realized what is what his organization is going to be with Varane Coming, coming there, you know, in the heart of the defense with Maguire. He, for the first time, against Wolves, you know he would have gone with McTominay and Fred. Okay, McTominay was injured, so you would have probably gone with Matich and Fred. But he didn't go with that formation because he realizes Varane coming in, he doesn't need those two guys protecting his two, you know, fantastic CBs. He just needs one sitting in front of them. Whether that's going to be Fred or that can be Van Beek or that can be Matic will be left to be seen. One more thing I want to say, mm-hmm. you know, in all this, and people don't really credit preseason. And I know, you know, at the end of the day, it's preseason, man. But I saw Van Beek have an amazing preseason. And we had this game against Everton where we smashed five, you know, four goals. And Bruno had an amazing free kick that he scored. And Van Beek played with Matic in that pivot role. And they were excellent. They were excellent. So maybe, you know, a Matic-Wanderbeek pivot can work for us if Pogba plays, you know, on the left. If Pogba comes back and plays in the pivot, then of course, Wanderbeek sits. But if Pogba plays on the left and Rashford is not fit yet, I think that that could really, really be a very good, you know, a, a very good formation because then what will happen is that Matic will also play little ahead, you know, off. If you see Matic's you know, uh, uh, match positional play, and you, you take out the stats. You will see that he spends 60% of his time on a football field playing between the two CBs, literally between Lindelof and Maguire as a third centre back. Mm-hmm. Now with Varane coming in, he can push forward, and that, and Mattis can put, still given good 40-45 minutes on a football field because he's still a very good holder of the ball, and he still has very decent, you know, uh, passing, you know, distribution. Uh, of passes and and, you know and 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 again for that to happen he needs to be a little progressive which basically then brings Bruno and Pogba into the game as attacking midfielders that can still happen so those are some of the things I'm thinking of see for me you know like the great Abraham Lincoln said you know people see things you know and say why right and they complain for me it's like you know I see things as they never were and say why not so for me, you know, I want to I want to look at stuff that I feel that are there and we need to tap in them. And I, I I just feel that he's not he is the manager of one of the biggest clubs in the world. He can't be that bad, man. You know, he can't be that bad. He he has great minds behind him. He, I'm sure Fer, Ferguson talks to him too. Bo, you know, Bobby Charlton talks to him too. You know, Robson Brian Robson talks to him too. He's got great, you know, set of, you know, legends around him. You know, he's got the Cantinas also who still come to, you know, come, come to the games. So I'm sure there's something that goes on behind the scenes that we don't, you know, that doesn't really meet the eye, which mm-hmm. is why I don't yeah. jump on that, you know, that bandwagon about, you know, about sacking him and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, at least we're not Arsenal at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Goodness me. What are they letting, nine Ooh. goals and not scored any? Christ
1: yeah so <laughs> I, oh dear yeah I do think yeah but yeah
0: they're in uh yeah if you're I mean I don't know why you'd be an Arsenal fan and listen to this maybe you're just curious but uh I think you should be very scared if you're an Arsenal fan right now so um but uh yeah I, I agree with like some of the points and stuff that you've made so um but yeah it'd be interesting to see you know this Saturday um Newcastle at Can't wait. Uh, Ronaldo's, I Ronaldo's coming home. I hope, I'm assuming he'll get massive cheers and a big applause and a big welcome. Um, and uh, that's that's the next episode that we'll uh, hopefully be, be doing. I don't know about your availability on uh, Saturday. We'll sort that out at, uh, mm-hmm. at some point later. There's also some talk that that game won't be shown on TV, on BT or on Sky Sports, which really confuses me because if you think this is Ronaldo's return game and it's still Manchester United... Uh, hopefully, they'll, ho- hopefully, hopefully they'll sort something out. I don't know. So um, there'll
1: be riot. It'll be riot if that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would no. be that
0: would be very weird not to put that on TV. Uh, the the very last point I want to touch on is: uh, Twendebe is loaned out. Diallo was gonna be loaned out, but the, that loan was failed, so he's staying at Manchester United. Williams is loaned out, and Pereira and Palestri are uh, also loaned out uh any quick sort of thoughts on any of those particularly
1: yeah i just uh feel a little uh bad about a march loan you know f- uh falling through i thought uh that was a, that was going to be very good for the kid and i i thought had it had it been to a premiership club it would have been awesome um but of course he was going to i think he was going to uh turkey or somewhere i don't know but anyway um uh I think Pelestri alone, I don't quite agree with. I think, you know, he can still be around the, you know, first team. I, I, I really like Pelestri. I, I think, uh, you know, him playing alongside Sancho in some of the cup games could, could be a little helpful, but it's fine. I mean, you know, he's gone to Alaves. He's gone to La Liga. He's, you know, he's going to have a decent season. Williams, I'm very happy with. I, I really don't think Williams has a future in United. Um, I think I'm very happy. Let's see how he fares in Norwich. I, I'm very happy with Tuan Zibi loan. Uh, I think Tuan Zibi still has a future at United. Uh, he's still very young. I like Tuan Zibi. I think he just needs more game time. Uh, he's had some real good games against, uh, you know, for United last season. PSG comes to mind. Mm, um, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and who's the last one you said? Um, per- Pereira. Pereira, uh, man, I, I, I just. Uh, that's the only disappointing one. That has to be a permanent deal. <laughs> that mm. has to be a permanent, uh, you know, a pre a season law. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, I, I I that's the that's the one I'm disappointed about. I hope we get about 15, 18, 20 lakhs for him. You know, well, sorry, I keep saying lakhs. 15, 18 million for him. You know, whenever whenever we can sell him. But but the rest, I think we did decent business. I I personally feel we should have been able to. Uh, you know, in terms of outgoings, I'm happy with the loan moves. I'm happy with every loan move. Pellistri also at the end of the day, you know, I can give it to him. It's good. He's young. It's good that he goes and gets more game time. He's not starting every game, but you know, he's getting game time. The disappointing part is the outgoings. I thought Mata, you know, okay, if they're keeping him in the squad because he's a great squad, you know, player and a lot of people look at him. There's some logic behind that. I understand. So they renewed him for one more year. Okay, fine. I don't think how much money. I don't think we would have gotten much money for him. I think Matic, we should have sold. I think, you know, if he's not going to play Vanderbeek, then he should have loaned him out or sold him and gotten a proper DM. And if he, and and honestly, if, you know, if Lingard was there to be sold and, you know, and and be a part of that Rice deal, then, you know, we should have made that happen. But okay, you know Lingard. I understand. We touched about that. So you know, he, we can sell him. He wants to stay. He wants to, you know, sit on the bench. That's fine. Uh, but but I think Pereira should have definitely been sold. I mean, look at some of you know. I mean, look at some of the players. Chelsea and even have been able to ship. You know, have been able to ship out. Liverpool have been able to ship out. you know, Sh- Shakiri kind of players for 12 million. They bought him for 12. And they sold him for 12. So I think Pereira, we should have been able to at least get 15, 17 15 lakhs for them. I know it was just too much to ask for, but that's my only disappointment.
0: Yeah, we're we're very bad at getting rid of players. Like, we really yeah. can't seem to ship players off, if that makes sense. Um but uh, I, I agree with you. I really do like Twenzebby a lot. I feel like he should have been given a lot of chances, especially with the amount of times that Lindelof has messed things up. Uh, I mean, to me, in terms of the players that we've got for the centre-backs, I like Maguire. I didn't know... I mean, I saw Varane play before. I really liked what we saw of Varane. Keep him, obviously. We just got here, obviously. Varane and Maguire. Uh, I really like Eric Bay Or Bailey. And I really yeah. like Twenzebby. Uh, let's not forget... There's also another player that does play for us, Phil Phil Jones, <laughs> that also plays it's for us sweet. as well. Uh, he's he's got a go. Uh, Phil Jones. It's 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 funny. Whenever I hear any discussions about Man United centre backs, it's like we all forget that Jones is. I I know why we forget that Jones is there because he never plays and he's always injured. But he is still on. He does still have a contract. He's still at the club. He's on what I think seventy grand a week or something. So I I know why his name never comes up in the conversation. I think he's good. Sorry. What'd you say?
1: I think he's going to go in Jan. Uh, Ole said uh, a couple of weeks ago that he's very happy to have him back uh, in training now, and I think if he stays fit for another three, four months and plays one or two, you know, cup games or something like that, I think he should go in Jan.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a weird. But, it, but yeah, I I would basically go with those four centre backs, which would be Maguire, Varane, Bay, and Twanzeby. I really like those four players.
1: So, I agree. um, I. Agree. I, agree. But, I I, I prefer Lindelof to uh, sorry. I, pr- I prefer Toansi to do Lindelof. Lindelof has what he's done in the system. Just one last thing in the defense. If you saw us defending last season and you were conceding goals and came back, what twenty one in, in twenty one games in one, right? Some kind of a record. It was but bad,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: If you if you if you saw out of those, and I, I was looking at some of the stats. We conceded a, a goal, and you know, from a set piece, one goal every third game, and that was a lot to do. I know, you know, you should not, you should not uh, put blame on just one individual because of, you know, because of uh, the mistakes the whole defense makes. But Lindelof just can't do zonal defending. He just can't. He loses his positional position time and time again. He loses his organization, uh, you know, uh, organizational. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, play and and every time you know he's tracking back and somebody has to cross. He does. He never sees a man behind him, and he misses the ball. And the guy, you know, just there, there's a guy there. You know, it happened with Leipzig. It happened against Sevilla in the you know in the in the semi final. So so some of the mistakes that he's made and Bruno really lost it with him. And you know there was you know yeah him. I, I just don't like Lindelof. I know people. The only good thing about Lindelof's game is his, you know, his ability to pass and progress the ball further. But listen, you're a defender. You got to do the defending first. That exactly. comes, you know, that's
0: exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I... hmm Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with your points there. Um. It's. I. I remember a lot of times last season when it was Maguire and Lindelof. And we'd be trying to run backwards, you know, run back towards, it, track back or whatever. And the player would be charging at our defence and it would be Maguire and Lindelof. And it would be genuinely a bit scary because you'd think, yeah. not, not, no, no disrespect to Maguire, that's why Varane is here because he's the quicker defender. But neither of them are quick enough to catch the player, whoever it is. Lindelof usually couldn't tackle whoever that player was. And it was just very scary uh, in terms yep. of, you know, like, okay, we're this that's a moment when we're in trouble. Uh, defensively, but hopefully Varane can fix uh, some of those problems. Yeah.
1: So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays him as uh, you know right back because you know Lidlop has played as a right back for Sweden also and for Benfica as well. I won't be surprised if he you know if in certain games maybe big games where we you know in the Champions League second leg we we have you know we we can't concede a goal or something and we need you know we we need to be strong at the back that mm. he comes in. in in that back three and and Dallow plays as a, you know, as a flying back along with Shaw and he puts Lindelof, Varane and Maguire in the back three, which won't be that bad because Varane, Varane, what Varane will do is he's the captain of that ship now. And what he'll do is he'll bring in man, you know, man to man defense and he'll take away this zonal defense, which, you know, Maguire and Lindelof are so bad at. So if Lindelof Lindelof can sit (laughs) next to Varane Varane will make sure that he doesn't lose his, you know, organisation, and he he doesn't lose his defensive, you know, uh, you know his defensive uh, uh, mindset when he's tracking back and stuff. So I I don't I won't be surprised if that happens in big games where we, you know, in a Champions League European night we need, you know, we got a one love, uh, you know, uh, advantage in the first leg. We need to sit back and defend, defend and hit someone. So I think he can come in handy there because he's a right-sided player. And he can't play as a right back too, so he he you know that he he could be he could be utilized. Mm.
0: Yeah, we'll see. See what Oli decides to do. So uh, that's everything we've got to talk about. Quite a lot that we covered, um, and of course it was your first show, so that's uh, that's fantastic as well. Uh, like we said, we'll try and organise when we're going to do uh, or talk about Saturday's game if we can actually watch it, <laughs> depending on what channel it's on or whatever uh, but uh, we shall we shall see what happens there um, in the meantime listeners if you want to let us know what you think of the new co-host and everything uh, or what we talked about we talked about a bunch of stuff here um, you can write in uh, matthew at entertainmenttalk.org twitter uk. there's a contact page and information in your show notes uh, let us know what you think of uh, Varun uh, as a new co-host um, I don't know if you'll be able to do, like, every episode. I might have to do certain episodes solo, possibly, or we'll see kind of what happens. It's a, it's a very long season, so we'll see what we can uh, come up with and whatnot. Uh, but write in, let us know what you think of everything, and uh, we'll we'll kind of go from there. Uh, before I do the outro and everything, uh, where can people find you kind of online and stuff? You do have a Twitter account, if you'd like to share that.
1: Yes, I, you know, I'm Varun M, uh, Mufc, and um, I can, you know, and I can, uh, I'm you know very active on uh twitter and uh you know i've i will be happy to share my twitter handle i mean that's where i can be found mm-hmm.
0: cool cool do you do like anything else online or any other sort of podcast or anything
1: i have recently started um you know i've been very involved in this whole twitter spaces piece so you know i i think i do about one hour spaces every day but uh, you, you know you you give me a good uh you know start here, and you know I thoroughly enjoyed myself uh, uh you know on this show today, so yeah, i mean hopefully more to come and uh you know you can do more of these and and you know would love to be more involved and, in, uh you know more involved online
0: <clears throat> cool. Good. Yeah, it was great to have you on. It was good to uh, have somebody else to talk to about uh, all these players and everything else. So, uh, cause I, like I said, I've been doing this uh, podcast solo for about two years. Obviously, we've got all the other things that we do here as well on uh, Entertainment Talk. Uh, if you want to find out what those things are as well, entertainmenttalk.org uh, is the website name, and you can also find us on your favourite podcast platform for TV, video games, films, and as you've seen, Manchester United Podcast, so check out all of it as well. If you like what you've heard or want to support more of it, you can just listen to more episodes that we've got. You can also tell other people that you know about the content that we've got. Uh, where people can find us and what we do and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, share them around, all that sort of thing. Uh, you know what to do for all of that. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon. Uh, $1, $3 door level tiers, ad-free podcast, And there's also the review options for those things as well. Uh, so check out all of that. Uh, if you want your TV and film news, David's got you covered over on Geek at Credit ek and Geek Town Radio. Geek Town Radio episodes on Tuesdays. Look out for a new one tomorrow. Uh, Beck still streams mostly daily or, or very regularly over on Twitch. Trista, Byte, Trista B-Y-T-E-S. So, so go and give her a follow over on Twitch. You can also follow me on, over on Twitch as well, eTalkUK if you want to see my different video game streams and that sort of thing. And if you miss any of those streams, you can find them later on YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays. Uh, thanks very much for listening and we'll see you for uh, Ronaldo's return on... Uh, on Saturday, and everything else in the meantime, of course. Thanks for listening, and we shall see you next time. Goodbye.